I can hear you. Does that work? Oh, yes. Perfect. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me and come on the show. Thank you. This is so fun. Yeah. So for our audience, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm really eager to get into the health and nutrition side of things, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my name's Becca and I have been doing jujitsu for a little over four years. Um, I compete as much as possible, but I have two kids and we, I run a business and my husband runs a business. So we are very, very busy. Um, and I run a nutrition and training company specifically towards, you know, either, either athletes who are actively competing or have been athletes. So, you know, I've, I've been in your shoes, whether you're a parent who is very busy or, you know, working, trying to make it fit in, or you're an active competitor. And I've, I've been both and in both. <laughs> <laughs> About to say, uh, just trying to find time as a, as a parent, as a mother, regardless, you know, to find time for nutrition, to find time for training, that's its own battle for sure. And then you add in the competitive side of it. Geez, it's tough. <laughs> It's fun. It's um, what is life without a little chaos? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I know you're very active in the health and nutrition, and uh, and the training, the physical training side of things as well. Um, and I guess what came first was the jujitsu, the the aspect that came first for you, or was the health and nutrition that came first for you? Um, so the health, the fitness and, or the nutrition and fitness side was absolutely that came first. I was a, um, I swam and I golfed in college and after I graduated, I ended up getting into powerlifting because if you've ever played a sport, you know, like swimming, rowing, wrestling, a lot of people don't want to touch that specific thing afterwards. You're kind of burnt out. So I switched to powerlifting. And during that whole time, I was a personal trainer in person, um, you know, working at different gyms, going to people's houses, things like that. Um, and I started to realize that there was such a need for the nutrition and lifestyle portion of things. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, you see these clients, they come in every single week or you touch base with them every single week. And, you know, they're getting stronger. All of that's great, but they're not making any progress in terms of, you know, health or in terms of, you know, a lot of people are looking to lose weight. Right. Right. And when you see them time in and time out, you can only control one hour of that time. Mm -hmm. But if you start to look at their nutrition or how they're sleeping, are they, you know, what are their weekends look like? All of those sorts of things that plays a really big part in it. Mm -hmm. And, um, a couple of years ago, I started jujitsu and I started loving it. And I started competing, looking for information, you know, how, how to cut weight appropriately, because I didn't right. wrestle. I didn't play a sport needing to play, you know, cut any weight. Weight did not matter. Right. Um, and there wasn't a lot of information out there. People didn't really guide you on how to, you know, do those things. Mm -hmm. So I started, you know, working on that for myself. And I was already a trainer. I was already a nutritionist. So I started really breaking it down as to, okay, what's going to actually work, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at more logical things like, okay, well, sleep doesn't change regardless of the sport you play, you know, digestion, those sorts of things. Those are all incredibly important to your performance. So it kind of just evolved. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, that's fine. Um, 
um, but yeah, so that's how it kind of became more into jujitsu. And then my husband ended up opening up a gym and he does the Muay Thai and MMA portion of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really breaking it down. He has fighters who end up needing to cut weight, those sorts of things. It really just solidified my viewpoint on, you know, nutrition for athletes in this space. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people helping you in this space because you know, again, weight cuts, people training twice a day, those sorts of things. It's very, very different than CrossFit or mm-hmm. normal, you know, normal sports. <laughs> right. Yeah. About to say, cause I can imagine and I, I mean, I know from talking to people who've done MMA in the past, the weight cutting is so different and downright dangerous um, in yes. MMA. And, you know, you can't exactly weight cut like you would in MMA before an IBG, IBJJF match. You know, you weigh in, you go. So. And that's a huge difference that people don't realize, you know, something like a a competition or a um, tournament where you can weigh in the night before, you have a lot more flexibility with those sorts of things than IBJJF where you're weighing in, getting on the mats. If you think you're going to perform well and, you know, maybe get some upwards sometimes of seven, eight matches after cutting weight, you like you might as well just go sit down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very different, but it's such a fun challenge, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, and that's a question I've always kind of wondered is, in your opinion, and, you know, different people say different things. What would be for jujitsu? What does that weight cutting process look like? And what would be for those who are serious competitors, the safe amount to cut? Because I've seen people cut anywhere from five pounds, you know, which doesn't seem bad to people trying to drop 20 pounds. So. And there's a, like you said, there's a huge difference between MMA the night before and your ability to recuperate, you know, lost fluids that takes up, you know, somewhere, sometimes two, three, four days to Mm -hmm. get, you know, the replenishing of fluids for females. We're going to have a lot more, um, variability than males just because of our cycle and our ability to actually cut weight. So, you know, depending on your stature, depending on your, you know, there's, there's girls who are six foot something versus someone who's, you know, five, my friend, Amanda, she's five foot. Mm-hmm. Her Amanda, for example, she, she can safely cut like three ish, four pounds with water weight. Whereas someone, you know, I have a client who's closer to six feet. She's, she can cut seven, eight, nine pounds. And it's really going to vary on your body fat. Um, you know, what your carbon take looks like, you know, in your day to day, because a lot of the weight cut, if it's within a normal range, right? I say like people will say from one to 3% of your overall weight is a mm-hmm. safe water cut. It's going to depend on how, you know, what your body responds to. Mm-hmm. And typically what I like to do with clients is we'll do a test drive. Mm-hmm. Um, that way we start to see, okay, great. We're not trying to cut weight. That's not actually there. Um, or we're not go- trying to cut into your performance. So it, it really comes back and forth you know, to the individual. So I know that's not like a fun answer. It's not a specific answer, but it really does break it down into, you know, for, especially for females, like where you are in your cycle, how -hmm. much water you typically tend to retain, because I'm sure, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this or listeners notice this, but 
if you are at a certain point in your cycle throughout the month, you could weigh anywhere, you know, from two to five pounds more and yeah. fluctuate so easily. So that plays a huge part into that. Um, same thing with travel. If you're traveling for jujitsu, you know, working on digestion and making sure that, you know, we're eating foods that are easily digestible, you're getting enough fluids in and doing an appropriate water cut is going to be key here. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about to say the only experience I really have with weight cutting is I used to do some N- NPC uh, competitions and you are you're dead basically on that stage. There is no water. And so that was something I had to make the adjustment before competitions of, I can't do a bodybuilding water cut. So no, very different. And that's, I mean, I've seen girls before bodybuilding competitions, they'll take a shot so that they're more vascular before like getting on the stage in a tournament for jujitsu. I would not recommend. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's aesthetics versus performance, though. It, you know exactly, exactly. Um, it's just totally different ways of training for sure. And uh, that's my background in the training, and you know, getting coached, and so it's helped uh, with the strength. But the nutrition, getting that dialed in, it is still different approaches. Absolutely. And what, you know, what leans you out might not be ideal for performance. Whereas, you know, for the stage, it it is a completely different sport, um, Mm -hmm. bodybuilding versus, um, you know, jujitsu or grappling, you know, things. And it's, uh, they're both beautiful in different ways, but they're definitely, you need a different approach. (laughs) Absolutely. So I am just curious, um, when it comes to nutrition and your clients, what has been uh, the biggest insight you have seen in crafting plans, crafting approaches to make sure your clients are at the top of the field or even in your own personal experience? I love that question. Um, So every single client you have to take an individual approach to what my schedule looks like is going to look different than yours versus, you know, Susan's and everybody's schedule looks different. You also have to take a look at their goals and, you know, what's practical for their schedule. If someone's working shift work, um, you know, 12 hour shifts or they're doing rotational shifts that your eating style is going to look so different than someone who works nine to five or someone who's a stay at home, you know, parent Mm -hmm. or works from home even. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to, you know, take a realistic approach to your schedule, your goals, and, you know, really develop a strategy that works for you is going to be the biggest thing. You know, people try to lift Monday through Friday, but if that doesn't work with your schedule, feeling guilty for not getting those lifts in is just when it's not practical is not going to keep keep it sustainable. You, you're not going to be able to reach those goals long-term and you're going to feel, you know, a sense of guilt or give up or just mm-hmm. say, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, so finding something that works for you has been, you know, and for every single client has been incredible. So we, every single week, we take a look at our schedules and say, okay, do we have any date nights? Do we have any meetings? Do we have, you know, what does our work schedule look like? And we start to break it down. Okay. Hey, training looks like this, this week, you know, we need to definitely meal prep twice this week because we have a busy schedule, you know, Monday through Wednesday, Thursday, we have off. So definitely, you know, throw something in the crock pot. Let's make it easy. Get us through the weekend and really try to, you know, 
optimize that week by week. And there's going to be weeks when things don't go to plan. Can we learn from those weeks when things don't go to plan? So it's, it's Mm -hmm. constantly, you know, using the strategies, but making sure that it works for your life because, you know, I don't know about you, but my life is a little chaotic. So making sure that it goes, you know, as the best to plan ensures that you can constantly move forward. Mm -hmm. Making it more adaptable instead of just, you have to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Rigidity has has its time and its place, but you know, if you can't be flexible, it's gonna it, it won't work. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I think sometimes when I've talked to people who are interested in doing nutrition and getting a plan, that kind of stuff, they feel like it has to be XYZ. And if they don't do XYZ, ugh, well, I might as well give up, you know. Yes. And I'm sure with bodybuilding, that was something, you know, okay, you're going to eat six ounces of grilled chicken or plain chicken. And, you know, I like to teach clients how to fish. I don't want to just give them the fish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want you to learn, okay, listen, if you're on vacation, let's do, you know, let's do a handful of rice, right? Or let's Mm -hmm. do about six ounces. By this point, you know what six ounces of, you know, meat looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's chicken. I don't care if it's fish, you know, really learning the fundamentals and the foundations of nutrition and learning how to do it for yourself, whether you're meticulous about tracking, you know, because you have something coming up, Mm -hmm. or we have the flexibility to be more intuitive. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, phases of life for each, for each part. Indeed. Indeed. And I think um, so often people are looking for those uh, magic, I don't want to say magic diets, but it kind of seems like they're thinking that if I do the carnivore diet or if I do whatever diet it may be, oh, well, that's going to fix everything when, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, it may be you do well on keto or you do well on paleo or full vegetarian. But I think so many people put stock in these oh, that's the magic formula when it may work or not work for you. Right. And that's, you know, I think with my clients, I like to create go-tos mm-hmm. for breakfast and especially lunches because most of us are just kind of busy. You know, it's like, listen, if you want to do eggs for breakfast, great. Let's keep that as our go-to. You know, let's do one portion of carbs here. And if you want to switch it from sourdough bread or oatmeal, it's not a big deal here, but allow yourself to say, you know what, if I can make it easier by creating, listen, this week, I'm going to have this and keep it, you know, keep it chill. And you say, I like smoothies, for example, for Mm -hmm. breakfast. Um, that's something that I've had for the last three years. I will switch up the protein flavor. I'll switch up the fruit. I'll switch up, you know, like the nut butter, whatever, but it stays similar so that I don't have to think about it. That take, that is taken off of my plate. Obviously Mm -hmm. you're going to have weeks where, or weekends, you know, where you end up indulging and doing other things. But for the most part, you know, if you have something, okay, great. I'm busy in the morning. I can't be spending hours in the kitchen trying to create this. Let's have this. And that has been incredibly effective. No matter what time of day works best for you. You know, some people have the time to cook breakfast, but dinner is chaotic. So they just say, okay, cool. We're doing this for dinner and I'm done. You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Um, Cause you know, I'm a teacher. And so I have to, I have to meal prep, you know, like I have to have all have the little fridge and so have all my little lunches and I eat breakfast on the drive <laughs> to work. And 
uh, I think that that's a really good insight is that you have to have that flexibility that you're talking about. Have your go-tos. I like that that phrasing, have your go-to. But if you need to go off the path, you can. So Exactly. And, you know, the one benefit of us not being aesthetic athletes is we can kind of adjust some things, especially especially if we're not right, you know, we're not gearing up for a weight cut for competition. Mm-hmm. A lot of times for teachers, especially, you know, between school being out and then going to evening practice, what I'll generally recommend, I'm like, have a sandwich, have a sandwich. And I know that goes against what everybody, you know, thinks in nutrition and dieting and things like that. Mm-hmm. But if you can put, you know, if you could put a good piece of bread, two pieces of bread with some meat on there, or even a PB and J pre-training, that's going to get you through training. And you're not going to feel like you're going to eat the entire fridge when you come home or the snack cabinet. Like it'll get you through training and it'll get you, you know, you're going to have enough energy to get you through your evening chaos without, Mm -hmm. you know, steering right for the Oreos. (laughs) Right. And that you actually bring up a good point with that pre-training snack. Uh, What, What's your opinion on the importance of nutrition timing uh, for performance and training? So it's incredibly important, but I will say, you know, as long as you're someone who's eating regularly, it matters less. But once we get to the point where you have your nutrition down, it makes a really big impact on your recovery. It makes a really big impact on your performance. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone to train or to the gym after after a long day of work and you forgot to bring anything and you don't have time before you go to train by an hour in by the time you go to roll you feel starving you feel like your energy's gone you know it, whereas if you had had even you know a 200 calorie snack right rice cakes with some peanut butter and honey or a sandwich or something like that even half of one um your energy is going to be so much higher. And over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, even a year, getting those extra couple of rolls in, being able to go that much more, that really compounds over, you know, a few months and a year and years. So it does make a really big difference in the long run where it may not make a difference, you know, here and there. But if you're someone who's habitually underperforming due to nutrition, that's going to have a big impact on your ability to, you know, perform at your highest level. You're leaving performance on the table with that. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think um, so often, you know, when I've, I've talked to, you know, males and females like, oh, I'm rolling up. I can, you know, I burn all this stuff off, but, you know, it's the nutritional quality. Uh, is that something you struggle with getting people to understand nutritional quality? But, you know. I think the big thing, what is very interesting is within this space, I have found that a lot of people are generally healthy. Mm -hmm. Most people do not get enough protein in their diet Mm -hmm. or they will end up fasting until 12, one, two o'clock going in, you know, but really not eating enough carbs. And Mm -hmm. that's where I start to see quality. You know, they start to either binge in the evenings because they're so hungry after training, they didn't eat throughout the day. Um, and less of a quality issue because I think people really are trying, they, people try their best, you know, Mm -hmm. there's going to, there's going to be holidays and there's going to be summertime where things are a little bit, you know, less, fun. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, people do try their best. So I, I think it's less of a 
I like to get to quality after we've nailed down, you know, nutrition timing, making sure there's no question about, you know, you're getting enough sleep. Digestion is on point. Like when we start to talk about quality, we talk about, okay, well, if your digestion sucks, then we need to start looking, okay, listen, dairy, you're having it every single meal. You're feeling bloated. You're feeling, you know, we're having some sort of reaction to that. That's when I really start to harp on quality because your body is having adverse effects and it's very obvious, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think that comes with trial and error too, you know, that you got to listen to your body. Um, and, And I think that's something I've been struggling with is I am now allergic to all mushrooms. I loved portobello, loved it, but I break out in hives. So it's a a bad idea. And so that's just something I've been struggling with is that things I wasn't allergic to now that I've gotten a little bit older, like, ah, it's late onset allergies. And so you've got to learn to listen to your body. And I think some people don't, don't do that enough. No, and that's when it's usually, and I don't mean to just, you know, say this, but it's generally men that don't care. Like my male clients, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. I'm like, you feel like crap. And your body had a reaction. You gained six pounds of water weight overnight from having that. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a reaction. And it's not always, right? Like there's definitely, but I'm, women are very in tune with their bodies. Very, you know, pretty normally men. Mm-hmm. I've noticed they tend to just be like, yeah, it's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know. Um, we just got back my husband and I on a, our anniversary trip. And, um, I kind of, I, I trained so much on the trip that I've never burned. Like I wear a heart strap and all this kind of stuff. And one day I'd burned over 3,500 calories just from the intensity of the training. And I probably ate five or six pints of ice cream. Like it was ridiculous, <laughs> but, um, you know, I actually lost weight on the trip because I've been training so much. And then my husband, we get home. Oh, let's go get ice cream. Well, let's go get this. It's like, and he's still dropping weight. And I was like, man, I can't do all this. <laughs> that was vacation. Okay. This is, we're at home. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and so it has changed. Yes. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Just the differences in nutrition with males and females, what, you know, guys can just seemingly drop the weight so fast just because of the hormone differences versus yeah. females. Um, how, and I guess this is transitioning now into a question about strength training. Um, mm-hmm. I know more women are embracing the gym. I see more women lifting in the gym. Um, some I'm seeing lift, you know, actual legitimate weights and not just the little one pound pink dumbbells. Um, yeah. have you seen an increased interest, uh, in your general clients, maybe not necessarily just the jujitsu in the strength aspect and not, being afraid, oh, I don't want to look like a she-hulk or something. Absolutely. And that's something that I find to be just, it's so inspiring to be able to see women go from, you know, feeling, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to become she-hulk to realizing it's very difficult, if not at all possible to look like she-hulk without, you know, extracurricular items Mm -hmm. a little Um, bit of sauce yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly so it's I've noticed a huge uptick in that um over the past couple of years I think COVID 
actually really helped people get in touch with their need to feel healthier and feel strong. Um, Mm -hmm. I've even noticed an uptick in the older clientele. They're trying to, you know, add strength training to their regime. And it's, it's incredible to see, you know, and I see it more and more on my Instagram and TikTok. There's a ton of older women that are lifting heavy. I'm like, yes, this is a goal. I mean, we might be broken by that point, you know, (laughs) from jujitsu, but I love it. It's so inspiring. So I've definitely noticed an uptick in it. And it's, it's beautiful. We deserve to feel, you know, strong, confident, move that couch if we want to. Yes, (laughs) for sure. And I know um, I've talked to my parents and I've talked to my grandparents and it seems like my, I have two living uh, grandmothers. Uh, One, she's in a home and she's got early stage dementia. And then I have another one who still lives on her own at her house, you know, does yard work just about every day. And um, the biggest difference in their quality of life has been how physically active and moving they've been. And I think, you know, and I try to impress on my mother, you know, Pilates is great, but you need to be lifting some weights too. That's going to help you. Um, so I don't know. I just, I love strength training. Um, and I wish, you know, I, I hope that continues in the, in the community, uh, older and younger as well. Absolutely. And I mean, I've, when I go to the gym, I'm now seeing teenage kids at the gym, just tr- lifting, actually mm-hmm. lifting where, I went to my gym in high school and I was the, not only the only teenager, but like one of the only females that weren't on just the cardio machines or just mm-hmm. the spin, you know, classes. So it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, women, if they understand like, Oh, I want to be skinny. Well, if you have more muscle, you're raising your base metabolic rate. That actually helps you get skinny, you know? So it's wonderful. Yeah. It is. It's just so like, I wish I had, I have two boys and they're, uh-huh. they grew up in the gym. Sometimes it would be nice, you know, if I had a little girl and be like, listen, we're going to the gym, we're going to kick butt. It's going to be fun, but it's really, it's so, it's so wonderful. I think it's an, I think it's a non-negotiable at this point for, mm-hmm. you know, for to be a healthy person, just to go, you don't have to go and lift extra heavy, but you know, mm-hmm. put, put some work in once, twice, three times a week, for 45 minutes, you can get it done. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know um, before I even came on, uh, before our podcast episode today, I was actually lifting. So it was leg day for me. me yeah, there you go. Yes. And so I, um, I, you know, and it's just so important, not just for, you know, aesthetics, but then it also act, actively helps rebuild bone. And if you're, you know, I think it's it's more common in Caucasian and Asian uh, women osteoporosis that if you're just yes. lifting a little bit of weight, you know, you're going to help build your bones back, you know. Absolutely. And that's something I just talked to my mother-in-law about that because she was just doing yoga and just swimming, which is incredible. Oh, yes. I'm like... Karen, we have to add in once or twice a week of weight training and the muscle that she's been able to grow is just, it's, it's, I love it. I just love it, but it's so good, you know, against osteoporosis, we do everything else, right? Why can't we add in a little bit of strength training there, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is now pivoting back into jujitsu. I know obviously like Again, the the bodybuilding and the powerlifting looks a little bit different from possibly the lifting for jujitsu. What exercises have you found uh, 
produce the the greatest return on investment, I should say? So I have noticed that it's, you know, different than bodybuilding and powerlifting. There are similar movements that are going to be incredibly effective, but they're, you know, very similar. So instead of a regular back squat, adding in a zercher squat where yeah. it's, you know, you're using it's coming from your elbows and you're mm-hmm. kind of think if you were to lift somebody up or hold somebody, if they jumped guard, you're basically doing the same thing in that mm-hmm. squat. And the stronger you can do, you know, the, the more you can do with that, the more effective it's going to be. And then, mm-hmm. you know, pressing from the ground and certain movements are more of tweaks, but there's, you know, you're going to need a bench. You're not, or you're going to need a press. You're going to need a squat. You're going to need a hinge, which is a deadlift. Mm-hmm. I love single leg work, especially for, you know, for our more athletic people, especially for wrestling, that's going to be incredibly effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and rotational work. So, you know, no matter the sport that you're playing, or if you're just trying to be healthier, all of those are going to be crucial to, you know, moving the needle forward. But for jujitsu athletes in particular, you know, there's going to be little tweaks to it that are going to be more effective, like the zercher, or Mm -hmm. I'll do floor press from the ground. If you're, you know, trying to, trying to get somebody off of you, that's going to be pretty similar. Um, And then adding some conditioning in as well. Right, right. I know uh, some people do that, that Metcon uh, stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. That's, um, there's a lot of, yeah. So it depends on the modality. And like I said, you know, there's, there's going to be perfect scenarios, but as adults who work, that's not going to always present itself. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, if a, if a client doesn't have gym access, I'll say, listen, let's get a sandbag. There's so much you can do with a sandbag. You can gas yourself out in 20 minutes more than you could at a regular gym. So it's really about finding that effective dose for you and what's practical for you. You know, mm-hmm. that's, you went to the gym today or did you, you went to the gym or yeah. did you do it at your house? Yeah. I ha- so I have I, a, yeah. Yeah. I have a gym at the oh. house too. I saved up. Yeah. So. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't have time today. So I said, all right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do 25 minutes in my driveway. And I used the sandbag and I was gassed. And oh, it's, yeah. you know, it's effective. It's no different than trying to toss somebody from wrestling. Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. I also will do sometimes I'll do a, a modified ruck with the sandbag. It's like, geez, that kills me every time. So awful in the best way. Yes. Yes. I know uh, one uh, I was actually training with a uh, weight training with one of my rolling partners. Um, and one exercise I love uh, just because it, it helps. It, it, I don't know. It helps getting people off of me from, you know, bottom out, which is the hip thrust, you know, and yeah. uh, I was going through that and I'm, you know, able to, you know, as females, we can lift a lot of weight that way safely. And um, yeah. I, that's the, that's the key right now. My father had two spinal fusions and he says, you're not deadlifting anymore. Are you I said, well, no, not, not really, but, um, but yeah, so I, I don't want to be my father when I get older, but um Anyway, I was going through it and she said, Oh, I don't know if I can do that much weight, Sarah. I don't think I can. I said, Her name's Sarah as well. I said, Sarah, you literally have denser bones than I do. You're bigger than I am. There's no reason you couldn't lift more. And then later on, she goes like double my weight. I was lifting like 375. The next day, she posted 600 pounds. I'm like, 
Yeah, say there you go, Sarah. You're afraid to lift three seventy-five. Yeah, it's like, girl, you're fine. And so it's like, yeah, you're you're fine. You can do this. So it's kind of that's fascinating. Wonderful. So. That is. Oh my gosh, that's. I mean, hip thrusts are. That's the hinge, right? It's mm-hmm. the reverse of the hinge, but it's so so effective. And finding sports specific, right? You want if someone's new to lifting. It's obviously, you know, you really want to build those normal mechanics of learning how to squat properly Mm -hmm. versus if you've been in the gym, you know, at this point, you were a bodybuilder prior to doing jujitsu. So, you know how to lift. Once Mm -hmm. you have that, then we can get into that more specific work, but you have to build that foundation. Otherwise, you know, and hip thrusts are the exception to that, right? Like you can start hip thrusting at at the very beginning, but you Mm -hmm. know, us talking about the, the more difficult single leg work or some of the sandbag stuff, you know, if you're a very beginner, it's, it's not bad, but you want to be sure that form is there. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, and I don't know if you incorporate Olympic lifts into your client's work, but I, I am just now starting like on the the hang and, and you know, the hanging clang because I've never had someone to coach me on it. And so and I've seen so many people in CrossFit, you know, just, you know, these things that are supposed to be like a one rep max kind of a deal, like, oh, my God, you know, so. it's And that's something that's incredibly incredibly technique based Mm -hmm. and you know people spend years trying to perfect it and they still don't affect like they don't perfect it it's it's very interesting i love um i love clean and press my snatch is nowhere near where it should be um i have some shoulder injuries from gymnastics Mm -hmm. and swimming and stuff but i like they are so fun to do Mm -hmm. and the more that you can make your sport you know and the auxiliaries of your sport fun I'm all for it. hundred percent for it. So I, I love that you're starting to incorporate that as well. I'm trying, I'm trying. I've got messed up, a uh, messed up elbow. I've got a, some messed up stuff. It's just my shoulders can slide in and out of socket. It's gross. And so uh, it's just really and truly finding things that, okay, I can still do this. You know, I've had two knee surgeries, not from jujitsu, but uh, at all. It's like, what can I do where I'm not going to break down today? (laughs) Exactly. And it's finding that, again, that individuality of what you can do. So maybe a bar doesn't work for you for snatches. Maybe kettlebells do, or maybe you don't do snatches because shoulder, you know, the in and out of sliding of your shoulders been there, done that. Um, so yeah, that's, I love that though, that you're able to say, yeah, you know what? Modification is not the worst thing if I can do it. Right. Um, and so I'm just kind of thinking about my, my younger teammates and training partners. I know that uh, the general rules you don't, now I don't know if that's changed, but strength training with like legitimate weight, not until you're 16, I think, or is it earlier now? Or is it that so dependent? I think it depends on the individual's ability to have someone there who is going to choose appropriate form, choose appropriate, you know, weights and those sorts of things. I've seen seven, eight, nine-year-olds doing really well in the gym. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, it it comes back to that. Do you want them to burn out early? Do you want them to, Mm -hmm. you know, are you making it fun? At the end of the day, you want them to to have some fun mm-hmm. um, and, you know, not regret 
spending all that time in the gym, which most people don't, but I'm, you know, I've seen it time in and time out. You don't want kids to despise something that should be healthy. So finding that, you know, that middle ground of, listen, we're going to go do strength and conditioning this, you know, this week. It's really, you know, when they're that age, I love doing more, um, like skills-based work. So Mm -hmm. speed and agility and, um, really focusing on strengthening of your, you know, your tendons, honestly, because I've seen in other sports, you know, how many ACL, MCL, PCL injuries do you see just from other, you know, other sports like lacrosse, football, all of those sorts of things happen. Mm -hmm. So the faster you can, you know, work on the power, speed, agility, those sorts of movements Mm -hmm. and improving on those, the gym's going to be there, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be there. I'm not opposed to kids going to the gym, but again, you need someone who's really there watching over and making sure that it's a safe and fun environment for them without giving up. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm just thinking to yesterday, um, I was, it was a just a cardio day for me. I was, you know, walking on the treadmill and I saw, uh, this, I guess it was a grandfather and his grandson, I'm thinking. Um, and this, you know, he's probably eight or something like that, this little boy. And as his grandfather was lifting, you know, he may lift a little bit. It was obvious he was not lifting heavy weight. Um, but then he would sprint around the track and he was just having so much fun. You could tell like he was a little Usain Bolt, you know, just going and he loved it. Um, which I thought, man, that's a really great way for those two to bond. I love it. That's so wonderful. And that's, I mean, I'm sure even at your gym, you see, you know, kids on and off the mats and those sorts of things, making it fun for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I am all for people lifting. I want it to be that balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's not the exact answer you were looking for, but I love, you know, I've high schoolers are in there all the time. I would, mm-hmm. I would venture to say that anywhere after I would, let's say like fourth grade is a good starting place. You can get them in, see if, see if they're good, you know, start them with kettlebells and start Mm -hmm. them with, you know, um, movement patterns that are, you know, the basics, they don't Mm -hmm. have to be behind a squat rack at this point. They don't have to, you know, you know, make it fun for them, make it, make them want to go lift and use the squat rack and use the barbell. But for now, you know, get them in there, get them them excited and learning that it is a non-negotiable for their health. But, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, it's like just developing that habit. Oh yeah. And I know, um, because I teach 11th grade and now I'm also teaching a college class, but my kids, uh, it was fascinating. All the, I teach basically that entire grade and the football players will talk to me about lifting and how some people, you know, they just, they don't care about the gym. They don't want to lift. They don't want to do nothing. You know, I don't understand, you know, then, you know, I'm and those kids or those men, I should say young men. I mean, they could throw me across the room. Um, you know, they said, well, you know, I just don't understand. I don't, it's like, yeah, it's boring. I don't like it. I don't care. It's like, you know, it's just the two different expression expressions of interest in lifting versus just doing their sport. They think, oh, I can just do, you know, basketball practice and get better. I can just do you know, the football drills and get better. Whereas now we've got one kid, he's 
able to front squat. Oh, and he had way more in the tank, 495 pounds. I'm like, oh, my like they made him stop. They didn't want him to hurt himself. But he oh, I watched the video on, on TikTok. I was like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> you're going places. I don't know where, but you're going places. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating to see when the high schoolers on these these teams or, you know, college students, too. But these p- kids that are on these teams, if they buy into the strength and conditioning, it pays dividends. And that's, I think, you know, part of being a coach, part of being a parent is reiterating the overall, you know, not that this, not that lifting is a necessary evil, but if you're really trying to be serious about it, it is a part of your training, whether mm-hmm. it directly core, you know, yeah, basketball, you can, you can practice free throws. You can practice. I don't, I'm not a basketball person, so I don't know <laughs> what other things you practice, but um, you know, you can do that sort of work, but if you aren't strong enough to, you know, the, what you do in the, in the gym is going to directly correlate to your capabilities and your abilities out of the gym. You know, if mm-hmm. you work on jumping with weight, if you work on heavy squats, you're going to be able to jump so much higher in the grand scheme of things. Oh, yeah. And guess what? That might mean you not getting any offers in high or like at the beginning of high school to getting D one opportunities, yeah. you know, bigger opportunities. So it's, it's a non-negotiable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'll be a non-negotiable for my kids and any athletes that I end up, you know, sure. my younger ones, it'll be like, listen, you got to do something. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is, but you know, an hour to, of your day, three, four times a week, we can, we'll find it. We'll find <laughs> it. Yeah. And I know for jujitsu, they say, oh, well, strength doesn't really matter. It's like, well, good luck. If you don't strength train and you're going into a competition, they're all strong. <laughs> so... That's, um, I was just at an ADCC open and the girls I'm, I have, I am strong. These girls are incredibly strong, like incredibly, incredibly strong. So if you're trying to be competitive, it should be a non-negotiable, you know, Mm -hmm. whether, I mean, it should be non-negotiable regardless of your competition status, whether you want to do it or not. But if you are serious about taking, you know, taking it somewhere, it absolutely has to happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's because, you know, we're I mean, you have somebody who has strength, you know, and no technique. Yeah. If you've got better technique, you're going to overtake them. But realistically, those aren't the ones signing up for competitions, you know. But, uh, you know, if you've got strength and technique, ooh, watch out. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it changes things. It really does. And um, I know. Um, I've, you know, in traveling and going to different gyms, I've gone with girls who are, you know, 20 pounds lighter than me, a totally different weight class, but, you know, they may not be as quote unquote strong as me, but they know how to use their strength appropriately. And so it's not like, you know, when I, I say strength training, I know when you say strength training, I'm not saying you want to be so muscle bound, right? Because if you're muscle bound, right. you can't move. You can't do the stuff you want to. You know, we have all rolled, you know, with meat heads and you just got a <laughs> little bit of pressure and they're tapping out because it's, like, oh, uh, you know, the shoulders are so big or something. Think of the Americana. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so it's, it's fascinating that I don't know. I I don't know if it's, is it muscle density versus muscle size or just more muscle fiber activation? Is that kind of what's going Um, on if you're not muscle bound? 
So for females, it's going to be a lot. We're much less likely to be muscle bound just yeah. because of our our nature. Um, men, it is purely lack of stretching. It's okay. like, and for females as well, you definitely need to stretch. And I'm sure you know if you don't put any effort into mobility or, you know, stretching or yoga, you're going to notice, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. over time, your ability to, you know, put your head over your shoulders without kind of having an impingement is Mm -hmm. you're going to notice it. So, you know, putting 10, 15 minutes after your lifts, maybe doing one or two longer sessions a week, it's going to pay dividends. Again, it's the same thing as strength training, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to pay dividends so that you stay healthy. Your spine stays healthy because, you know, you're only as young as your spine. If you can't move your neck, if you can't move your body, you're going to start to feel like a little old lady, little old man who can't, you know, rotate anymore. And that's, no fun. <laughs> no, no, for sure. For sure. Not. I know. Um, just again, with my dad having surgeries and stuff, it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, we definitely don't want to have that going on. Um, we want to take care of our spines and such. And, um, I know old school, like deadlifting form, you overextended your back. And so, and that's, yeah. and that's, I think what did him in is that he used, he, I mean, for the longest time, uh, and he still lives, he's 60, 465. Um, and so he still lifts, but it's just one of those things that you can see the evolution of form, you know, what he's done, what I've seen, like him show me to do, which is not bad versus what other coaches have told me. He's like, okay, that actually feels a little bit safer. <laughs> so, Right. And you're like, oh, I see where this could have made a difference if yeah. we had, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. good. It, you know, it's it's something that you now can take away as a lesson for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I I would love to for you to give us a, a little bit of a rundown about uh, your personal training business, the communities on Facebook, because uh, I would love for more females to get involved. Absolutely. So um, on Facebook, it's off the mats. Um, performance. And this is a community specifically for people who are training, whether you're competing or not competing. It's really about optimizing, you know, life on and off the mats. What you do off the mats is going to directly correlate to, you know, how you perform on the mats. And, you know, I, like I said, whether you compete or not, optimizing those things that you're doing off the mats is going to give you more energy. You're going to feel better. You're going to have more time and efficiency to do the things that you want to do, right? You know, you want to be able to hang out with friends late at night instead of, um, you know, constantly feeling groggy and, Mm -hmm. you know, or your kids, whatever that is. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Becca.Burkhart. And what else we got? Um, I offer one-on-one training and nutrition coaching for anyone who's looking to really, you know, bridge that gap between where they're at right now really optimize it in a way that makes sense for your life, your schedule and your goals. Cause it is about, you know, it, I want you to succeed and I want to find that groove that works for you. And that's like, that's honestly my passion. Mm -hmm. What definitely shows in this conversation, it shows that you really do care about, you know, more than just, you know, all right, we want to be killers on the map, but we want to be, you know, for lack of a better term, killers in life as well. Uh, Well, let me rephrase that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's say that ends you up in jail. So last time I checked. (laughs) 
metaphorical. Killing, yes. killing it at life. There we go. There we go. Slaying at life. There we go. Oh, perfect. perfect. There we go. Oh, goodness. But um, my, any other insights you would like to share? Um, I don't want to take up the rest of your day, but anything no, that we great. anything we didn't cover that you would like to shout out? Um, let's see. Um, you know, honestly, the one thing I would say, you know, leaving everybody with a piece of advice is just, you know, take one thing that you can improve today and just get it done, you know, get it out of the way as early as you can and know that it's not going to be perfect and you're going to mess up. But the fact that you're not going to quit is the biggest thing. So you're Mm going to get where you're going. But, you know, just don't quit. Do one little thing. And that is going to compound time after time after time. And in a year, if you continue that mindset, you're going to be so proud of how far you've come. Hmm. Good advice. It's also kind of like when we talk about with jujitsu, it's just it's it's the journey. It's a long journey. But by the end, you know, you've got that black belt, you know, if you stick with it. So absolutely. Well, Becca, thank you so much for your time and your insights. I love this conversation. It was great. So me too. Thank you, Sarah. This is so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.